from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in. Good Friday. Las Vegas is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Oh, boy, do we today. It's going to be a, a shortened show. It's uh, a very similar to what we did on Wednesday. Brian McCormick will have the call of the Henderson Silver Knights. Must win game two. Yeah, that's right. Must win game two of their first round matchup against the Colorado Eagles in the Calder Cup playoffs, AHL. So that will go today at 530. Starts at 530. Brian McCormick will be on the air. The game will start at 6 o'clock, so pregame show with Brian McCormick at 5.30. Uh, we've got one-timers. The entire second hour, so to speak, of the program is going to be one-timers. We're going to get playoff overreactions. It's actually becoming one of my favorite things to do here as we react to the previous night's playoff matchups in the NHL. Uh, there's a lot uh, to dive into in that regard, including a play between Jeff Carter and Igor Shesterkin that really got a lot of, ta- of people talking last night when the New York Rangers the series with the Pittsburgh Penguins at one game apiece as that series shifts now to Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll also get into some more player audio from uh, Vegas Golden Knights locker cleanout day. Uh, we'll hear from Zach Whitecloud, uh, who is emerging as one of the leaders on this team. And and the leadership idea, the leadership thought for me with Zach Whitecloud, well, with what Zach Whitecloud isn't so much about how much time you've put in. It's about who you are as a person, and we'll dive a little bit deeper uh, into that as well. And also we're going to chat with Dave Shane from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Dave is one of those guys that has just done a phenomenal job all season long on the Golden Knights beat. Dave kind of broke the news yesterday that uh, Kelly McCrimmon, general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, will be returning next season as the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. So he'll be returning for his fourth year as GM of the team. And Dave also had a sit down with Bill Foley. So we're going to get into, dive into a little bit there uh, with Dave Shane about his conversation with Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley and what that means for the Golden Knights coming into Season number six, and we all famously recognize the the idea of Bill Foley before the team played a game. Playoffs in three, cup in six. So we're going to re, re-examine that as we bring Dave with the Las Vegas Review-Journal onto the program. Now, uh, you know, Dave, first and foremost, like, you know, you announced that you're leaving the beat, and then you go and do uh, two brilliant <laughs> pieces of journalism. One, you, you, you kind of break the news about Kelly McCrimmon coming back next season for the Vegas Golden Knights, but also you have a sit-down interview with, with Bill Foley. Like, uh, did, did you just you – just couldn't stay away, could you? Yeah, yeah, you know. I got to finish that out. See till the see till the bitter <laughs> end here, so, you know. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I uh, – in, in all in all seriousness, I mean, th- there are some things I have to, you know, finish up here, a couple loose ends mm-hmm. to, to still tie up. So, you know, I'm not – you guys aren't totally done with me. How about that? At least not for, for a few more days or maybe a week or so. so. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm okay with that because, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you, you broke the news yesterday about Kelly McCrimmon coming back next season for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, and you had a, an interview with Bill Foley. So let's start with the general manager, and then we're going to move – uh, over to ownership with Bill Foley and what that means for the Golden Knights moving forward. So uh, when when you kind of got that news about Kelly McCrimmon, was that surprising to you, or did you did you look at the roster that was built and in the understanding of what the Golden Knights went through with injuries, and, and you just never really got a chance to see what was built on the ice and whether or not it can succeed in, in this landscape? Yeah, I don't think it was a total surprise to me. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of chatter and a lot of, 
you know, fans that may be upset, but, you know, I think like anything in sports, you know, the temperature of the fan base isn't always you know, how it is behind closed doors, you know, with, within the organization, things like that. You know, Bill was very clear about his relationship, you know, with Kelly is on solid footing and that, you know, they have a give and take and they can have an honest conversation. And he was very complimentary about the, the structure and, and just really the whole entire front office. You know, from the scouting department to the development department, you know, everybody that, that really Kelly is kind of overseeing that for, you know, the last handful of years. I, I do think, and, and not to transition too much into, you know, the, the stuff with Bill, though, uh, there was a definite tone of, you know, okay, you know, some of the moves clearly haven't worked. So, you know, we're going to have a conversation. I, you know, I, meaning Bill, have some ideas. Um, you know, and we'll and we'll go from there. But you know, in terms of Kelly McCrimmon coming back, I, I don't think so because you know, again, big picture. You know, let's look at this. They've you know been to a Stanley Cup final. They were in you know the final four two other years. They got knocked out you know in a game seven, and this year they had 94 points, which was more points than they had the second year when they made the playoffs and ended up losing to the Sharks. So it's not like they totally fell on their face here. It's not like the sky is falling, and, you know, I think in that regard, it, it doesn't surprise me, you know, that, that Kelly McCrimmon would continue on. Uh, does this, like, signal to you just the, the idea of patience? Like, as you mentioned, big picture, right? Like, you want stability as, as best you possibly can, and to me, I, I think that what the Golden Knights are in need of right now is not any type of overhaul. It's not so much the need or, or desire to change much of anything. I think stability is really the thing that this organization, this roster, can benefit the most from. Yeah, and that was probably the overarching theme from you know the interview with Bill Foley is, is that he wants more of. And, and I think you know when he says he's going to kind of step in and, and be a little more involved, I, I think it's ensuring some of that. I think it's you know, look, you know, the Knights have made a lot of changes and they've been very aggressive and, and they've gone after guys that aren't normally available. And, you know, the result of that is some, you know, some players that maybe fans really like and even Bill Foley really likes, certainly the front office really likes, have, have had to go to make a room because of that. I think, I think where he's at and, and where Bill Foley's at is just, okay, we have a really good team now, you know, let's, do what we have to do to get under the salary cap, keep as much of this together, and, and go on and, and push forward that way. Uh, I really think you know, that stability like you talked about is, is what he wants and, and feels like they've gotten away from a little bit you know, maybe the last couple of years. Yeah, I want to ask you about a quote he gave you because he says, quote, we might have lost a little personality over the last few years with some of the things that have happened. When he says that, my initial thought was, yeah, you, you, you lost some of the personalities on the ice, guys like Nate Schmidt, guys like, like obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury. But then he finishes up with talking about the identity. So when he makes that quote, do you think he's talking about personality as far as players or personality as far as the product or identity as far as the product on the ice? I think probably both, to, to be quite frank. I, I think I think he felt and and. You know, admittedly, I guess maybe my, you know, my fault was not pressing him on, hey, you know, which, uh, which players are you referring to with that? Because my mind certainly, you know, when, when he mentioned personality, went to Marc-Andre Fleury and Ryan Reeves and Nate Schmidt and, and those types of guys, exactly like you mentioned, Chris. Um, but I also think there's an element of on ice and how they played this year. And, and I don't think so much the X's and O's and, you know, I don't think, you know, having a conversation with Bill Foley about the one one three and you know was it good and bad and all that. Like I don't that, that that's I don't think he's getting at that. But I do think there's an element of just you know that first season and more of the foundation of what this team was kind of founded on and that attacking speed and all those things that came up in in the exit interview. I think he wants to see more of that. He he's a fan too. You know, he sits up there and watches and, and gets excited about, you know, the same kind of stuff. And he watches, you know, the interviews and, and sees the different things on social media and all that sort of thing and, and gauges the fan reaction. And, and 
I think it's twofold. Yeah, Chris, I, I do think he was being literal in, in terms of the personalities, in terms of the the people, you know, and, and maybe, you know, some of that pressure, you know, down the stretch and, and not having a guy like that, you know, in the locker room, but also that on ice, you know, play and style and getting back to that a little bit as well. Dave Shane with the Las Vegas Review Journal joining us here to talk about his interview with Golden Knights owner Bill Foley and and what the Golden Knights offseason is going to look like. Now, one of the things that struck me most was that, you know, Bill is going to be taking a a more hands-on approach. And I think there's maybe a misconception among a lot of people that follow this team that that maybe Bill is already hands-on. Is that the case? Like, in in reading your work, I, I, I get the sense that, you know, going to change some of that structure from what we might have thought it was and we're going to see an even more active Bill Foley in the day-to-day operations of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, and I think he was pretty transparent about that, but you know, I think maybe there's a little misinterpretation, I think, or or I maybe I could have been a little bit clear on on what that was and I I hope I I was. I tried to be. I I think where Bill is going with this is you know, just all of the changes that have happened over the last few years to, you know, upgrade the roster, you know, have taken its toll. And and I think where he's at with all this is, okay, let's pump the brakes. Let's slow down. One, one of the things that he said that didn't make it into the story, you know, was just in business. One of the things that he's learned is sometimes it's best not to do something, you know, and, and just keep the way it is. And so I think there's a sense with him of, you know, you know, that when, when Kelly McCrimmon the other day kind of, you know, sort of defended his moves and said, you know, we're not going after every shiny new toy. Like I kind of feel like that's where, where this is all headed. And, and that's where Bill, Bill Foley's mind is at is, is okay. You know, I have my ideas and we're going to sit down and, and we're going to execute a plan you know, together, where where I think he was always involved in what was going on. He knew what was going on. But, you know, as, as he described, it would take a step back, you know, let those people, you know, make the decisions. He's five years in now, and I got the sense that he feels like he understands, you know, the sport and, and what makes a team tick and, you know, what makes a roster connect and all those sorts of things. And, and so he's got his ideas now, and, and, and as he said, he's going to sit down with Kelly McCrimmon and, you know, probably say, you know, I'd like this, this, and this done. Let's let's see what we can do to make it happen and, you know, work around the salary cap, obviously, as well. Now, I, I, like, I've, I made the contention yesterday that you, you have a brand-new core. Like, every time you bring in a piece, when you're adding an Alex Petrangelo or a Jack Eichel and then you're subtracting in order to make those things happen. You, you change the core in a way that it becomes something that is, is brand new. And I I think, you know, from, from what, from what I think the golden Knights have to do is they have to identify what this core is best at and then mold the identity around it. And, And I know that, you know, Bill kind of spoke about identity. You you talked about identity here and, and wanting to maybe get back to some semblance of what this team was year one. But to me, I think that it's about forging a new identity that has some of those themes that touches on some of those elements, but leans into what this team has currently constructed, this core of players does best. What do you think the identity should be of the Golden Knights moving forward? Well, clearly, in terms of just the offensive talent that they've put together, that's sort of, you know, at least on paper, where you would say, okay, you know, this should be a little bit more of an offensive-minded team. You know, now, look, that being said, like, okay, can they be the Florida Panthers? I guess maybe. You know, this is, this is sort of a, a referendum on, on all of that, though, with Florida and offense and what works best and how you play. I mean, I don't think the Knights have ever had – you know, a style from Gerard Gallant to Pete DeBoer, you know, his first two years, that, that hasn't, you know, fit in the playoffs or something like that. It's just been offense, you know, when, when Pete DeBoer and the, and the power play that's dried up. But, like, I, I guess I would like to see them be a little more offensive-minded. I would like to see them not, you know, hunker down as much. Um, but, again, like... <sighs> 
when when we did our podcast the other day, my, myself and Ben Goats, he kind of asked me about the roster and you know, is it sort of a similar question? Like, is it is it constructed the right way for the style of play? I guess that that probably suits them best. And you know, I don't know. Like that that's a big that's a big question mark for me. And I think that's part of what you know all this this sort of conversation is about, and what Bill Foley is getting at is. You know, they, they brought all of these pieces in, and individually, they're all really good. But collectively, as a roster, you know, do you have everything you need? Well, one of the things that I brought up a lot this year was just kind of that element of sandpaper, you know. And I know it's kind of old school and old-fashioned and whatever, you know. But I'm a big believer in, like, having somebody who's just a pain in the butt to play against. And, and you know what? Nothing against Matthias Janmark. Because I think at times he can be that way, but like, there's a whole other level of agitation that that somebody can can bring in, and and they just never really like had that. Like it's a missing piece to me on this roster, and so you know I think as they go forward, you know they they need to look at little things like that, you know just just the little missing pieces, because obviously the high end talent is there, and that's usually the the hardest part to acquire and accumulate. You know, it's really interesting because you're, you're you're talking about the possible identity of this team and the direction they want to go. But when we look at the situation that they're in because of the salary cap, how do they get to where maybe Bill yeah. Foley wants the identity of this of this roster to be? Because there's certainly not a lot of wiggle room, and there's going to be a lot of subtraction. At least that would be my initial thought. So how do how do they get there? Yeah, and that that's probably the, the what the sixty four thousand dollar question or whatever that old TV show was. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I I I think in in sort of the feeling that I got from that whole conversation was Bill Foley. I think wants to keep as much of the nucleus and certainly as many of the original Golden Knights together as possible. I, I think you know that element of culture and, and what was established that first year and Jonathan Marcheseau. You know, kind of putting it on him and talking about that, you know, during the exit days on, you know, maybe it's a, on a guy like him that that's let it slip a little bit. I I don't think at this point, you know, this team can afford and really wants to, you know, let guys go like that, like Riley Smith. So, you know, it's going to take some hard decisions. Uh, I mean, you look automatically at like the Donoff because clearly they tried to move him before. So I I, I would think that that's something. Um, you know, like I'm curious to see like Morozov, to be quite honest, like how ready is he going to be come training camp and and what sort of decision-making process, you know, does that factor in? Uh, Certainly you've got a log jam at the center position, uh, even without, you know, Nolan Patrick's future being decided. So I think you could potentially do something there and see something there. Like there's going to be moves. Like there has to be changes and, and guys are going to, you know, move on, whether it's Riley Smith, whether it's William Carlson, whether it's, you know, a William Carey, like somebody like that. There's a chance that the original guys are not all going to be back just because of contracts and and salary. I, I think they want to keep as many of those guys together as possible and just try to develop some cohesion. You know, I, I'm big on I'm I'm big on locker room chemistry. You know, just I remember that from hockey and like the dynamics of it and how it all works and just just the way that 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 things kind of snowball and, and the way that that leadership can kind of have an effect, positive and, and negative on that. And and part of that is just having the same group together over and over and not having new guys or constantly trying to assimilate as good as they are. Like it it can be difficult when you're constantly doing that. So I think they just want, you know, to circle back to, you know, what we talked about at the start, just some of that stability. But, you know, again, Chris, unfortunately, I don't know the answer to, you know, the roster question. And I, I guess Bill, Bill Foley has his ideas. We'll, we'll see what they are. Um, But yeah, I mean, this team is already over the salary cap with, 18 people signed. So, you know, clearly there's going to be something done this offseason. Now, you mentioned Dodonov. Dodonov was brought up in your conversation with with Bill Foley. 
Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how the NHL just kind of wiped their hands with that situation. And, and they're like, oh, well, Ottawa didn't tell you guys too bad for you. But then Bill Foley goes on to say he wasn't a fan of, of the trade to begin with. So I'm curious if he if he elaborated as to why and if he if he brought up any type of conversations he's had with the league over what seems to be a, a pretty big screw up by one of their trade partners. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the NHL obviously is part of that too, and I think that's why they're kind of trying to to wash their hands of it. Like, I mean, as you know, you know that they they do those trade calls. And so the NHL is on the trade call, and they keep a record of everything from that. And so once that trade call, you know, and everything was declared, then that's, it goes in the NHL's records. So the NHL is obviously responsible as much as Ottawa and, you know, I guess maybe to a small extent, you know, the Knights and all this. So I think that's why the NHL is kind of, you know, doing its best to stay behind the curtain and, you know, not get bashed as well over this. Unfortunately, I think, you know, they're probably <laughs> content to let the Knights take a beating and, you know, let the Knights at this point, you know, Bill fully outing, you know, the Senators on that. So uh, it's probably not the best way for them to have handled it. And I think that goes back to, you know, the start. Like, I mean, they couldn't get it resolved in time for him to play a game. Like, he missed a game while they were, while they were trying to solve all that. So... At some point, you would hope GM meetings or something over the offseason that they could figure out a way to kind of update what seems to be a pretty antiquated system. You know, it sounds like they're on a phone call and somebody's got a book and they're just writing stuff down, you know. <laughs> so at some point, like, you know, let's get into the, you know, 2022 here and at least, you know, put it on a laptop or something and, you know, keep track. But, yeah, the, the Donoff thing – as far as like his sense, I, I, you know, one of the things that he mentioned was the Donald was brought in to score 20 goals. He scored 20 goals. You know, I think his quote to me was he did exactly what we paid him to do, you know? So I think in his mind, you know, the trade was unnecessary. Uh, It worked that, you know, they didn't need the cap space Uh, worked out, you know, certainly later on with Mark Stone and other guys, you know, being hurt, they had enough. And it was like, you know, a couple contracts here and there, you know, they were able to do. So I think just from Bill Foley's standpoint, he saw that the Donov trade is just superfluous and unnecessary where I think Kelly McCrimmon at the time saw it as, okay, well, if we have a chance to, you know, clear the cap space and get some flexibility down the stretch, we're going to do it now. You know, Dave, maybe that's the... Just sorry, just to jump in, maybe that's some of the disconnect right right there that Bill Foley and Kelly McCrimmon need to to sort out this offseason. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the, the the big piece, right? Is that if there is any type of disconnect, or or you're you're trying to work through those things, where you know I think you're 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 objectively looking at okay, we bring in this player to score twenty goals. They're on pace to score twenty goals. That's exactly what we're trying to do versus kind of the idea of, of playing the, the salary cap dance that the Golden Knights had played throughout the majority of the year because of injuries. Um, I, I think that, that everyone being on the same page or at least having principles to guide the, the decision-making is most important for the Golden Knights going into next season. But one of the things that, that I think has to be sorted out over the course of the offseason is what the Golden Knights are going to end up doing in goal. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty okay. right now surrounding that position, mainly because... You have Robin Leonard, who had successful shoulder surgery. Great news there. But Laurent Brossois will also require surgery in the offseason. Then you've got Logan Thompson, who came out of nowhere, had an opportunity, and ran with it. So, like, what's the landscape look like to you in terms of the goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights next season? So, I don't want to bust roll Bill Foley here or Robin Leonard or anything like that. When I asked Bill Foley about it, he said he was not able to comment on the record. So I was not able to talk with Bill Foley kind of and get his thoughts on the goaltenders. Now, maybe that is telling in itself that he didn't feel comfortable, you know, speaking about it. I I think clearly that's an, it's a, it's an issue that needs to get resolved. Uh, First off, I think there's a question of how long is Robin Leonard going to be out? You know, like, let's say it's hypothetically six months or something like, 
you know, like a long-term deal, you know, like a, like an Alex Tuck, <clears throat> excuse me, like an Alex Tuck timeline. Cause he had shoulder surgery, obviously last off season, they said, you know, around like six months. So, you know, like hypothetically, if we're just throwing out like that sort of timeline, you know, then you have some question marks. You, you look at it and say, okay, you know, do you LTIR him? Do you move, say, Lorempro Swat and do you go get somebody? Uh, do you go into next season with Brossois? Hopefully he's healthy after a surgery and Logan Thompson and ride it out until Robin Leonard's healthy. Uh, I think there's a whole lot of different directions that they can go with it. Um, I think certainly, you know, I think, I think the one thing I, I guess maybe I would be comfortable saying that, that, that Bill Foley did acknowledge is that, you know, that it's an issue that they have to look at this you know, this off season and where they go and, and what his thoughts are on the matter. Um, I don't know. Um, I will say this though. Um, when he talked about just having ideas and him wanting to do different things, and obviously there's questions about the goaltending. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like my mind obviously goes to like the guy in Minnesota right now. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if that's what Bill Foley's thinking, but like, you know, like let's just put two and two together here and, and whatever. So, you know, if it happens, it happens. Clearly Kelly McCrimmon was adamant, you know, a couple months ago that it wasn't. So I'm not going to sit here and like stir anything up, but like, yeah, that's where my mind went with all of this. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I do think that, you know, uh, Goaltending is the most important position, and we saw this year the instability and, and sort of what happens with the Golden Knights. So if they can't get that solved, you know, anything that they do in the offseason, you know, is probably going to be torpedoed, you know, by, by struggling goaltending if that's going to be the case. You know, it's funny because you – right, I'm going to th- – Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to throw it to you, Chapman. No, no, no. I'm going to throw it to you, Chapman. You go ahead for the final question. All right, so – when you mention the guy in Minnesota and then my, my brain starts going and Bill Foley being more involved, the first thing that comes to my mind is Jerry Jones being too loyal to a guy who, who maybe is, is I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that that would be the direction the franchise would want to go, putting their fortunes on a 38, 37, 38-year-old goalie, but Strange things have happened, but am I am I a little crazy to think there's a little Jerry Jones here and in, in, in Bill Foley maybe wanting that guy back? I, I mean, maybe. I mean, look, like I didn't ask him specifically. I didn't press him on it. Uh, like I know I'm kind of stirring stuff up here by bringing this up this way. Um, I don't want to like not talk about the goalies, and clearly he couldn't. You know, so I'm I'm giving my thoughts on the matter. I just, I just want to make it clear. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be like a total antagonist and I'm definitely not reporting anything. And he, he billfully never, never in the interview mentioned Mark Andre Fleury. But I mean, if that was what he's thinking and if that is a direction that they end up going, I, yeah, Chris, I mean, <laughs> certainly, uh, uh, an, an involved owner, a Mark Cuban, a Jerry Jones, like like that's that's where your mind goes. Um, I mean, if he's got a plan and he's going to have somebody else execute it for him, you know. I mean, uh, we've seen how well the uh, the hands-on owner does. I mean, I guess sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, you, you know, if, that's, get... if that's what Bill Foley's going to do, you know, he's been successful in business. Like you don't make as much money as Bill Foley's made by being dope, so you know I guess I guess we'll see if uh, if he really wants to you know get involved in some of these hockey decisions. Yeah, it's funny with with that hands-on order. You either get George Steinbrenner or you get Daniel Snyder. It seems like there's never one that's in the middle. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? In his defense and Bill's defense, and I guess maybe I'm not going to defend Daniel Snyder in any way. That's for sure. But you know they're all competitive. They want to win. Like, that's what it really comes down to is just, you know, they're trying to do everything they can to, to win as well. Like, you know, the competitive in business and competitive and everything else. Like, that's, that's how a lot of those folks are wired. And I, I think 
thing to kind of keep uh, take away here is that the commitment to winning is still strong, right? Like there are there are often times you find in professional sports where ownership will talk about the desire to win or they will talk about spending to the salary cap. But I think if there's anything that we've seen over the course of five years, it's that ownership here with this team is all in on winning. And as a fan, I think that that's something you have to respect and appreciate because it's not always the case if you're a fan of a team. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I have There's a few folks that email me, you know, through the years and particular woman, and we've, we've gone back and forth about that, um, you know, that particular topic. And, you know, I've just kind of reminded her and, and tried to – it's one of the things I've tried to remind fans, and it's hard because, you know, as a journalist, you, you, you kind of have your own role in this. But, you know – Kelly McCreamon has talked about this, and Bill Foley's talked about this, and George McPhee's talked about this, that, you know, they're fans too. Like, they want to win. All of the moves yeah. that, that are hard and that, you know, fans maybe don't like, the Golden Knights see it as upgrades. And, and Kelly McCreamon talked about, you know, yes, you know, Alex Petrangelo signing him, you know, cost, you know, some really good players. But Alex Petrangelo's a really good player, and their fans should enjoy watching him. Same thing with Jack Eichel. You know, Jack Eichel had to give up, you know, a really good prospect and a really good player. But, you know, the Golden Knights feel that their fans should really, really, really enjoy Jack Eichel, you know, being a star player. And, you know, I think it'll take a little time. You know, the, the Knights fans are still warming up to, to some of these players. I think that's just the reality. You know, when you have that many changes and, you know, the guys you get attached to aren't there anymore, you you know, you, you get a little gun shy, you know, finding a new, a new best friend. And, and so I think it takes a little bit of time and you, you need a few, you know, moments in the playoffs and, and something to really latch on to. I think, you know, that, that, that was what was so that game that Jack Eichel scored that late goal against the Senators, you know, it kind of felt like, Ooh, you know, that was a, you know, a moment where, where maybe he had a breakthrough with the fan base and, you know, if they could go forward, but, you know, it, it's just going to take a little time. Uh, you know, for everything to kind of come together. But, yeah, yeah, this, this team, sorry sorry to ramble, but, you know, this team wants to win, and everything that they, that they do is about winning. And, and it, it looks different from the outside. It's hard for the fans to, to sometimes, I think, see that. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's what everything is about with this team is, is trying to bring Las Vegas and those, those same fans, you know, a Stanley Cup. Yeah. All right, Dave. Well, you stayed with us as always uh, longer than we ex- we intended to keep you. Uh, always <laughs> generous with your time. Now, I, I mentioned at the top of uh, of the segment here that uh, that you are leaving the beat next season. Uh, you won't be covering the Vegas Golden Knights. So, why don't you just kind of fill everybody in that that's listening here that that's come to appreciate your insights here on the VGK Insider Show as well as uh, the pregame show that you do uh, no, numerous spots with me throughout the year uh, on what that next step looks like for you. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for, you know, having me on all of the years. I love all the conversations. Like I said, I think last time, every time, you know, the text pops up uh, asking me to jump on, I'm always like, yeah, you know, I, I love doing it. So first and foremost, that. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm headed over to the sports betting beat. Um, it's something that I've kind of been wanting to do for a while. It's, you know, hockey's awesome. It's a dream come true. Um, you know, a little 12-year-old David always dreamed of, Covering the NHL, and I went to the University of Wisconsin specifically because it had hockey team and wanted to cover hockey and all that sort of stuff. So to be able to do it in the desert, you know, it was was awesome and all that. But you know, I mean, totally my choice. Totally, you know, the other thing too is Ben Goats uh, is going to be taking over the beat uh, at the Review Journal, so everybody can make sure you know to follow him on Twitter. But you know, Ben's going to run with this. Ben is is more than ready. He you know, he's way more active on Twitter than I am. And I know, like, there's going to be a lot more interaction <laughs> and the fans, you know, are going to get, like, a whole new level of coverage from him. Um, so I'm eager to see that. But, but yeah, you know, the sports betting's exploding. You know, I love, I love Vegas, and, and it's something that's always intrigued me. So I'm excited to jump over and do that. But um, not to take up too much of your airtime, I do want to just say this really quick. Um, mm-hmm. I posted that, that notice the other day about that, and, I got a lot of responses, um, and I never know what people think. Like, you know, I'm not 
When I started in journalism, you know, the, the job of a reporter, you know, the beat writer wasn't as public. The press, con- press conferences after the game, you know, weren't televised and stuff wasn't on social media. And your job isn't, you know, kind of judged the way it is now. And, and I never know how fans sort of react to me. And, you know, I get emails and things like that. But the response was really overwhelming. Um, if anybody thought I was a schmuck or a bad reporter or anything like that, like I didn't see that message. Um, so I just wanted to thank you to everybody, um, to the readers and the listeners and everybody like that. You know, if I made a very small mark and had a very, you know, small impact on the fan base with, you know, learning hockey and, and following along, you know, I'm, I'm just really humbled by all that. Well, that's, that's beautifully said, Dave. And, and you, you definitely have, have made a mark, um, Again, not just in terms of your writing, but in all the radio that you've done and covering this team, you've done a phenomenal job, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck as you shift over to sports sports gambling. And, and you know what? Hopefully there will be some, some moments, maybe some, uh, some, some evenings where you'll spend a little bit of time with me as we preview a Golden Knights game. I, I promise you I can sneak in a betting angle if I have to just to get you back on the pregame <laughs> yeah. show next year. I'm, I'll be around. No, you guys aren't rating me quite yet, I don't think. So I, I, I can't totally leave. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for jumping on here. We really appreciate it. Great job on that, that interview with Bill Foley. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch, buddy. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great show. Thanks much. Have a good one, man. That is Dave Shane with the Las Vegas Review-Journal as he – Stops by to let us know where Bill Foley's at with the Vegas Golden Knights, what this offseason is going to look like for Vegas, what changes we might anticipate. And I think that one, uh, stability is the word that I would use for the Golden Knights in terms of this offseason. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into that on the other side of the break. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Rolling along here on a Friday, VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman along with you. Once again, an abbreviated VGK Insider Show. We will give way to Brian McCormick at 5.30 as he will get you up to speed and ready to go for the Henderson Silver Knights and the Colorado Eagles at 6 o'clock. It's a must-win game two. That's right, a must-win game two for the Henderson Silver Knights. If they win, they will extend that series to a winner-take-all game three, which will be tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So uh, all the hockey is ready to go for you on this fine Friday afternoon. But I wanted to touch on something, Chad, you know, came up yesterday with you and I and and kind of the first thing that I noticed in reading Dave Shane's piece with Bill Foley. And again, do yourself a favor if you haven't read it. Obviously, we just had Dave Shane on to talk about it, but go read the piece, get a feel, get a sense for some of the some of the quotes that you got out of that one from Bill Foley. But to me, Stability is the word that I'm going to use, and I think that that's the the main focus for the Golden Knights over the course of this offseason. When you are are tinkering, when you are looking at individually improving by 2 or 3% or 4 or 5%, right, in, in bringing in an Alex Petrangelo or a Jack Eichel and trying to turn the dial in your favor that way, individually you may be getting better. But it is going to take time for that collection of talent to gel together as a team. And the injuries played a part this year, no doubt, in just an inability to bring all the pieces together and get the subsequent reps you need in order to build a team from the ground up. But I think the the main thing that I pulled from what Bill Foley had to say to Dave Shane is that stability is the most important thing for the Golden Knights from this year to next year. And maybe that hasn't always been the case. It certainly hasn't always been the case in in trying to incrementally get better. But I think where you see the biggest gains is from allowing a core to grow together. And I think that's the most important factor for the Golden Knights navigating this offseason and going into next year. You know, it it might be a bad example, but... In a few years, it may turn out to be a good example. But I look at a team like the Detroit Red Wings, and they they bit the bullet. They missed the playoffs for the first time in what seemed like forever, and they haven't been back. But in panicking, 
they just embraced the fact that they weren't going to be very good for a while, and they bought all in on the rebuild. Sure, they had some good players, guys like Dylan Lark and Tyler Bertuzzi, but you now look at the core that that team has put together. Another good example, maybe the L.A. Kings. When they were winning Stanley Cups, they 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 had a core group of players, and it didn't seem like they went after... I, I hate to, to use it, but the shiny new toy, right? Now the Golden Knights have that core. They've got that group of players that they believe they can win with. And to a man, every single player that you ask, it started with Alec Martinez and it, and it ended with William Carlson and Max Pacioretty. They all believe that they can win the Stanley Cup with the group of guys that they have in that locker room. It's a matter right. now of that core sticking together and you know, it, it, it's going to be important for those guys to be healthy. But I think if you're healthy, you now have a group of guys that, that you can build that cohesion with. You've got a group of veterans. You've got some guys who are in the middle of their career. And you've got some really young guys who, who stepped up and contributed this year. I think that's kind of the formula. Maybe that Bill Foley wants. He wants the, the continuity. He wants to see the the the, the, the core and... You know, I think I think that's kind of the, the formula that this team has to go with in order to be successful. And, and I think you have to look at this as hitting a reset button of sorts, right? Like you have your core now with Jack Eichel and Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore and and you know William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau. Like that's what the core of this team is right now: Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. And what you have to do right now is hit that reset button and and evaluate your team next year. Like, if you're the Golden Knights, you're Kelly McCrimmon, you want to evaluate what your team can be as you roll four lines. You want to evaluate your team as soon as you possibly can in the regular season and hope that everyone stays healthy. Because if that's the case and you can evaluate the team and you're noticing that they're gelling, you're noticing they're coming together, you're noticing that they could be or are one of the seven or eight best teams in the league, then what you want to do as best you can, and we know they're going to be up against the salary cap, you want to supplement. And I think that's the difference, right, between, say, a Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, is there wasn't a ton of supplementing this roster. It was trying to go out and build a championship core, and now you're at the stage where that core has to grow, and then you have to supplement. That's the next logical step for the Golden Knights, is to find pieces that either complement what this team can do, once you know what it is they can do, and then you go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I the complementary guys, I, I think that's a, that's kind of a, 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 a good way to put it, because you look at what the Tampa Bay Lightning, back-to-back champions, they didn't go out and, and really make any massive moves at the trade deadline the last couple of years. They, they kind of added guys. I, I, I look at a guy like Blake Coleman. Mm-hmm. He, he's certainly not a superstar player, but he's a really good role player, and he's a very good role player on a team that has a core group of guys who have been together for a long time that are looking to win a championship. And I think what he added to Tampa... Yeah, he, he, he wasn't the guy or the reason that they won the Stanley Cup, but he gave them a little more stability, you know, down the lineup and, and a guy who certainly contributed and helped them win. But it wasn't like this flashy, high, high-end high trade deadline move. It was it was a good move, and he's a good player, but it's not like they, they, they panicked and, oh, my God, we got to go out and get this guy because he's he's a superstar. No, they, they brought in complimentary guys. Look at some of the free agents that they've signed the past couple of years. So I, I look at a guy like Pierre-Edward Belmar. There's a reason why good teams want Pierre-Edward Belmar because he's well, a good I player mean, and he's very complimentary to the other players that are higher up in the lineup. Now, the the fact of the matter is, though, you, you don't, as an expansion team, you don't have a Steven Stamkos. You don't have a Victor Hedman. You don't have uh, a Braden Point, players that you were able to develop and, and draft in those spots. So if you can have the opportunity to go out there and get, uh, for all intents and purposes, a, a first overall pick in, in Jack Eichel as your number one center, and you can go out there and get a high pick in, in Alex Petrangelo, what you still believe in his prime, I think you do it. But now that you've got those pieces, it's about growth. It's about letting them build on chemistry. And then it's seeing what this team is 
and supplementing the right way, supplementing the areas that you think can take you from a good team to a great team and then from a great team to the team that is able to win a Stanley Cup. We're back with our play of the day next on the VGK Insider Show. No chance to shoot for Stevenson centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. VGK Insider Show play of the day comes courtesy of the Florida Panthers and a beautiful setup from Jonathan Huberdeau to Alexander Barkov for one of the prettiest goals you're going to see in the playoffs. He'll send it around. Duclair trying to get there. Got a stick on it. And Duclair controls. Here's Huberdeau. Nice move. Huberdeau with a chance. Puts it in front. They score! Huberdeau to Barkov with a beauty. And the Cats are kicking it in gear. It's 2-0. Oh, that's big and bodacious right there. The dynamic duo of Huberdeau and Barkov combined to give the Panthers a 2-0 lead. It all comes down to Huberdeau. Look at that move he makes on Backstrom. Now he's got some time. Goes to the backhand. Barkov gets away from his check. Gets a stick on the ice and finishes it off. Oh, that's pretty to watch. Huberto doesn't take the shot. The defense goes down, and all he's got to do is slip it over to Barkov. A rare primary assist for Jonathan Huberto, but hey, they all count just the same. It was a fantastic play. It was Jonathan a bodacious Huberdeau play. Set up. Yeah, it was big and bodacious. That was uh, an interesting call, to say the least, but the Panthers even up their first round series with the Washington Capitals 1-1 one and one as that series shifts now to Washington. We are back with our number two and an extended one-timer segment right here on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show to, to steal a game or two. But the game that they could have stolen was last night. Like I feel like that was one that got away from the Nashville Predators, but hey, they gave it a heck of an effort and uh, Connor Ingram deserved better. Well, let's let's wait and see on whether or not UC Soros becomes available to the Predators over the course of the next couple of days. Let's switch gears to a game last night that involved great goaltending again in, in Igor Shesterkin and uh, decent-ish goaltending from Louis Domingue. Uh, did, did you see the end of that game, Chapman? I, I did, yes. Okay. Did you see um, the play between Jeff Carter and Igor Shesterkin? I did, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as much as I love Igor Shesterkin, I really don't like the flopping. And there was contact, no doubt. Jeff Carter certainly could have gotten out of Igor's way. Though Igor made it very, very difficult for that to happen because he threw himself in front of Jeff Carter. And then the the writhing around, like, I love all things Igor Shesterkin. I think he's a phenomenal goaltender. He's my favorite goalie to watch right now in the NHL, not named Andre Vasilevsky. But just don't do that. Like, you're already better than the Penguins. Like, you already know that Igor Shesterkin doesn't need to show anybody up. He's got 120 saves in two games of this series. Like, it's ridiculous how good he's been. You don't need to You don't need to act. You don't need to. It's okay. Igor, focus more of your energy in that moment on coming out of the net trying to score a goal than flopping around on the ice. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, I, I thought it was incidental. Like, I didn't think, I certainly don't think Carter deserved the penalty, right? Because he was penalized on the play. Um, so I, I, I didn't agree with that. I, I looked at it this sure. way Jeff Carter was attempting to get caught up with Adam Fox, who was behind the net, because Pittsburgh had pulled the goalie at that moment. So Carter doesn't want to give Fox an opportunity to, to get the puck out of the back of the net unintruded and, and obviously lead to a Rangers empty net goal. I thought Shesterkin came out wide. I don't think he gave Jeff Carter enough room to get around them. He wasn't in the paint, but I believe he may have still been in the trapezoid. But all in all, I'm, I'm with you. I didn't like the flopping around it. Look, I'm a big soccer fan. There's a lot of that in soccer. Igor Shesterkin looked a lot like a soccer player. He, uh, it, some people may get the reference. He looked a lot like Neymar with the way he was, he was 
writhing around on the ground on his back. Um, but yeah, it, there's no reason for that. I thought Gerard Gallant handled the question kind of kind of interesting because he he praised Jeff Carter, saying he was a really good player, but he also made uh -huh. sure he put it out there that uh, there was no need for that. So <laughs> um, should should be an interesting game three as they switch to uh, Pittsburgh. On the topic of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Casey DeSmith is out for the remainder of the playoffs. He had core muscle surgery. It went successfully, so that's good for Casey DeSmith. But it'll be Louis Domingue and maybe Tristan Jari later on in the series. So I guess the question is, can the Penguins win with Louis Domingue? No. No, they can't. Louis Domingue is a journeyman goalie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I look there. I, I I questioned if the pen with Casey DeSmith. I think they had a much better chance. Obviously, if Tristan Jari's in that, I, I I don't know how much of a chance they had with with DeSmith. But now with Louis Domingue, no, I I, I don't think. Look, you you don't win in the Stanley Cup playoffs with your third goalie, with a journeyman goalie, a guy who's bounced around a lot because that's what he is. He's a journeyman. Um. It's a shame because I think it had the makings of being a really good series, but I certainly think advantage sure. Rangers yeah. in this one now. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm sorry. You say you don't win with your third string goalie? Well, unlikely to win with your third string goalie. Okay, because the Carolina Hurricanes don't seem bothered by it. Well, they're also a, a much different team, and they're not playing the New York Rangers. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins, it's 1-1 in the second period. So, well done, Boston. Yeah, and they're making a series the of it. Game. Wait. Well, they're a making game of a game it. of it. <laughs> they're making a game of it, Chapman. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs up 2 to nothing on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first period in much the way it looked. Uh, in much the same way it looked in game number one. The Maple Leafs have been the better team early on. Um, and the Lightning just seemed to be listless so uh, 2 nothing hole for the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions to try to dig out of uh, with about four minutes left in the first period in that one now Chapman we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about players and teams that are unlikable right uh, the villains of the Stanley Cup playoffs so to speak or the NHL at large uh, the question I have for you today since it's Friday and there's a little bit of room for optimism here what team is the most likable? I think, I think it's, it, it's, I think Carolina. <laughs> like, I, 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 I think Carolina is a likable team. I understand there's some people who don't like Carolina for whatever reason, but I think to, to younger people and more specifically to millennials, I think the Carolina Hurricanes are, are a very likable team. They, they have young players who were really entertaining. Uh, as you mentioned, they are on their third goalie. So I think you, you, you kind of have a little bit of, hey, I'd like to see this guy succeed, right? I, I can't say his name, but I know who he is. Um, oh, come on. No, 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 no. Don't say you can't say his name. I want you to give it the old college try, Chapman. Give me, give me number 52 for the Carolina Hurricanes. It is... Go. Peter Kov Kochetkov. Peter Kochetkov. Kochetkov. Peter Kochetkov. Kochetkov. Yep. yep. Close enough. <laughs> but I I think Carolina oh, is 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 a very likable team. Like I, Nito Niederreier is a I, guy I like. I I, I like I, I I like Shvechnikov. I don't know about that. I like Aho. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I like those guys. Yeah. But. I'm, so, I'm trying to think. So here's here's the thing for me on the Hurricanes. They're not likable to me personally. Because every time I put my stock in the Carolina Hurricanes, they let me down. <laughs> and every time, every time I say Carolina's not going to do anything, they rise to the occasion. They make me look like an idiot all the time, Chapman. I don't like them for that. <laughs> I don't I like I don't know who I would I mean, I, I, I like the Rangers because of certain guys that they have on the roster. Sure, sure. Um, I like Pittsburgh because I like Sid. Okay. I like Ovechkin. 
It's funny. All okay. the team, all the teams that I, I would say are likable are in the East. Like, I think if I look in the Pacific, I mean, I don't like L.A. Oh. I certainly You're, don't like really? Calgary. You don't like Los Angeles? Why not? Well, because because I have to look at it from the fan perspective, right? That's that's my role well, no, on the you show. Don't. You don't. You're looking. No, 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 no. You're looking at it from Chris Chapman's perspective. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's it's I, I'm rooting for L.A. against Edmonton. So you clearly like them more than the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, yes. And I I, okay. per, I personally like Calgary, but I, I know there's probably a lot of people who don't. Ooh, their the, fans right now probably don't. Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Dallas only needs two more goals, and I and I get my uh, my my prediction right. Four, <laughs> four goals in the next three games, and we're That's we're going to get at Good least point. three more games. But uh, I I I think the Rangers in Carolina for me would be the two teams to be the most likable, especially the Rangers here for for people in Vegas. So okay. The way that I choose to look at it is this. What team do I want the rest of the league to emulate should they win the Stanley Cup? Right? And, like, that should inform likability. Yes. Okay. Because if you're looking at these playoffs, or if you're looking at the regular season, you, you see that there are tons of players scoring goals. You've got five players over 100 points. Like, if you like the idea of offense, the most likable team in these playoffs have to be the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Because the Florida Panthers are the only team in these playoffs that are going to try to outscore you every single night. They're not going to try to clamp it down. They're not going to try to play defensively. They are the team that goes out and says, we want to beat you six to nothing. And if we don't beat you six to nothing, we're going to beat you six to five. And to me, that's what the league needs more of. I, I think that you want the Florida Panthers to be successful. You want the Toronto Maple Leafs to be successful because that, in turn, makes hockey more fun and more likable. So I look at it as what team is going to win where everyone's going to try to emulate that as best they can and it'll make hockey more fun? Florida Panthers all day long. I, I'm behind that. I think that's a really good, a really good argument to be made there. Uh, basically, they are the opposite of the 1990s New Jersey Devils. They are the opposite of whatever we're getting out of Calgary and Dallas. Yes, and and that <laughs> to me, I'll tell you, um, it's never been harder to watch a game than it was They've last been night. Brutal. To watch Dallas They've and been Calgary. terrible games. Like not even trying to play hockey. Yeah. Like not even a little bit. They're um, just bad, bad games. All right, let's get Yeah, let's let's get into some some I, I I guess this is maybe bigger news or at least not um not playoff news. The Vancouver Canucks are not interested just yet in committing to Bruce Boudreaux beyond next season. President of hockey operations Jim Rutherford said on Tuesday. Rutherford went on to say we would be willing to have him back under the contract that he agreed to when he came here, and that's certainly not to say at the end of next year we wouldn't want him back. So there's an option for Bruce Boudreaux and for the team for the second year of the deal. Bruce Boudreaux was hired in season, went 32-15-10 with Vancouver uh, after the Canucks started the season 8-15-2 under Travis Green. Now, the way I look at it is Bruce Boudreaux does one thing better than I think any other coach in the league right now. That is win games in the regular season and get you into the playoffs. And like if I'm the Vancouver Canucks, if I'm a team that's trying to kind of get the young pieces there, experience in that, and I just want to make the playoffs because revenue and that's the goal every single year, I don't understand why you wouldn't just want to commit to Bruce Boudreaux if that's where his head is at right now. Yeah, I I, I don't understand the the uh, reasoning behind not wanting Bruce Boudreaux as your head coach, um, or you know, it, it doesn't now, make to sense. Be to be fair, to they, be fair, they said uh, under the, the terms of his contract, but then you go into they, a, they want. They want to evaluate him over the course of a full regular season. 
that's that's what Jim Rutherford wants to do. He wants to evaluate how Bruce Boudreaux is able to continue to have success, or if he's able to have success with the Vancouver Canucks through the through an entire regular season before committing to anything longer term than that. All right, so I'm I'm going to put this in terms that I, I I look at, and for me it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Excluding the bubble year, how many playoff series the Vancouver Canucks have won since they lost the Stanley Cup final to the Bruins in 2011? I'm going to say zero, Chapman. Correct. Do you know how many times they've missed the playoffs since they lost to the Bruins in the Stanley Cup? Say five. They've missed the playoffs seven times. And one of those was the oh, was right they, they made the bubble. The, the, the obviously they made the playoffs the bubble year, but they've missed the playoffs seven of the last eleven seasons. What are they doing? Yeah. This is a guy who clearly can coach in the NHL. He's a guy who's fun. He's a personality, and it looked like Vancouver emulated a little bit of that personality when when they were playing. Look, I know fans in Vegas probably. Don't want to think about it, but this team was better than Vegas in those couple games that they play at the end of the season. To well, me, it's I, an it's a no brainer. Was a really good coach. Yeah, it's a no brainer. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I don't I don't understand. Look, you. the one year, why would you want to have him become right? Because he's only under contract for one more year after this, right? So why mm-hmm. would you why why would you risk losing him? Lock him up. Well, I, they 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 might lose him even still, because there is an option for Bruce Boudreau to opt out of the contract. So uh, either side, either the Canucks or or Boudreau can opt out. And I, I wonder if there's a team out there that may or may not be playing right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs that should things go horribly, horribly wrong for them. I wonder if there's a team out there that would kick the tires on Bruce Boudreau. Well, I'm sure there is. Worth his while. I'm, I'm sure there's one and specifically. There's... There are perhaps other teams that yeah. are not in the Stanley Cup playoffs that would probably kick tires on Bruce Boudreaux. So I, I, I think it's interesting because you, you don't need a bigger sample size than what you got this year. At least I don't think you do. No. Um, I understand not wanting to rush to a rash decision. Like, I get it. But I think Bruce Boudreaux is a hell of a hockey coach, and, and I don't know that the Vancouver Canucks, if they're searching for something else, will find anything that's going to be better than what Bruce Boudreaux has done for them already. So I I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it, it's, it's a head-scratcher for sure because he's he's clearly the best guy for that job. Like, I don't, I don't know, as you mentioned, I don't think there's someone out there who would resonate with that team the way he... And look, it's a great city, and, and it seems like it's a city that he would probably enjoy just based on the few conversations we've had with him. But like I, I don't. I, it's just a real head scratcher for me. Why the Vancouver Canucks? Then again, there's a reason why they've missed the playoffs seven of the last eleven years. So, I mean, I guess nothing surprises me with that franchise. They're not a very good. Obviously, those, they're not a very good franchise right now. Those are your one timers for Friday, May sixth. Brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. And now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show: catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. Well, tomorrow is the first Saturday in May, so it is, of course, the Kentucky Derby. Mm. I am not a big horse racing guy. I used to go to the track a little bit when I was younger. I, I enjoyed it. It was kind of fun. Growing up in the Jersey Shore, we had Monmouth Park. But when I looked at the field for the Kentucky Derby, there was one horse in particular that crossed my that 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 registered with me. So I'm gonna bet on this horse, and I think he's one of the favorites actually. But the horse's name is Messier. I don't know how you bet against <laughs> Messier right in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So sure, if 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 you're out there betting the Kentucky Derby, take a good look uh-huh. at Messier, which oh, no. of, which of course is named after the one and only six-time Stanley Cup champion, Mark Messier. So uh, I I will watch the Derby. Like, I, I, I like mm-hmm. to watch the Derby. It's probably the only horse race I'll watch the entire year. 
Unless, of course, yep. there, there's a chance that, that there's a, a horse that can win the Triple Crown, then I'll, I'll watch the last race. But, yeah, Messier, I'm all on board with Messier tomorrow in the Kentucky Derby. I don't. I just don't know how you go against him. Well, I mean, has <laughs> there's Messier 19 other horses out? in the race, but no, 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 hold on. Has he guaranteed victory yet? No, no, not yet. <laughs> like has, has he has he guaranteed a triple crown or no? I hope he does. I I, I think it would be great if Mark <laughs> Messier. I don't know if he's on the one of the broadcasts tonight, but it'd be great if he comes out and says, "I guarantee you, this horse is going to win the triple crown." No, 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 not not Mark Messier, the person. I oh, mean, the, Messier, horse? the horse. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he guaranteed victory yet? Well, I don't know if a horse could talk, but uh, well, there was a TV show long Mr. before Mr. Long, Ed long would before we, with you. yeah, long before we were alive. But uh, <laughs> yes, Mr. Ed would definitely agree with me or disagree with uh, me. No, he he disagree with yeah. you. Yeah, um, I I don't know anything <laughs> about that at all, but I do know Brian McCormick's got. The Henderson Silver Knights and the Colorado Eagles coming up next right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.